All right, welcome to the Speak Your Peace podcast. My name is Big E here. Uh, we're doing some recording uh, after UFC 253, which took place at Fight Island, which is Yas Island in literally Yas, like Y-A-S, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Israel Adesanya defeated Paulo Costa in the main event, the middleweight championship, in the second round with a TKO. Uh, Jan Blakowicz defeated Dominic Reyes TKO in the second round for the light heavyweight belt. Uh, those were the two big fights tonight. Uh, really good card. Really fun to watch. The, the main card was pretty good. I, I thought uh, Hakeem Duwadu defeated uh, Zubara Takhagov. I think that was his name. Uh, in as the first uh, fight of the night, uh, the women's bantamweight, uh, Caitlin Vieira defeated Sajara Eubanks by unanimous decision, and Brandon Roy Bell. He was a really fun fight uh, to watch against Kai Kara France in a flyweight. He uh, Roy Bell won by guillotine choke in the second round. So lots of second round finishes tonight. Uh, UFC 253. Uh, also tonight, the LA Lakers defeated the Denver Nuggets. They are going to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010. The Dallas Stars won tonight. They defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning in overtime. I think it was 4-3, 3-2. Um, so the Stars are moving on to game six. Uh, that will be Monday night, and I'll be watching Monday night football instead probably. Ah, ah. Yeah, I'll be watching Monday night football. That's the Chiefs and the Ravens this week. Um, Really good night for sports. Let's start with the UFC. Let's start with the uh, championship fights. I- I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I had Stylebender winning this fight all the way. I had him beating Paulo Costa 100%. There was not a doubt in my mind. Uh, I put 20 bucks on him to win and an extra, I think, 10, 5, 10 if he uh, knocked out Costa, and he did. Costa, the weird thing about Costa, so starting at the at the beginning of the fight, it looked like Costa's legs were already bruised and were already battered. This was before even facing off against Stylebender. It looked like Costa's legs were fucked. And I get, you know, I get that you want to be training and sparring hard enough to get you ready for you know, your actual fight for your real fight, especially when it's against someone like Israel Adesanya. But man, Costa's legs looked absolutely destroyed just before this fight. And I think Stylebender recognized that. I think he was a bit surprised by it maybe. And he just went at the legs. He was just chopping at the legs the entire fight, just waiting for his opportunity. I don't know that Costa really had one good shot, one good opportunity. Um you know, Stylebender was in control for 90% of this fight. I, I think the control was all to Stylebender. It, it was it was a good fight because they were competitive enough. Like, this wasn't a Usman Masvidal where it was just Usman stomping on him for five rounds. It was fairly competitive. They each got their shots in, but I just had no doubt without Asanya. I thought he was the better fighter. I thought he was in control the entire time. Um, and, you know, it, it, it kind of showed. It kind of – he kind of felt like that. He kind of showed off as if he knew, which I, I – maybe he saw something in film. I know these guys don't like each other. This has been brewing for a long time. This week when Stylebender basically said – 
I'm a better grappler than you are. And I don't, I mean, I maybe got onto the ground once in this fight. Maybe it, it was, it was a bit of a ground game for a little bit, but for the most part, it was pretty much a boxing match and Stylebender won. And Stylebender was easily the best fighter of the night. Uh, he won a yeah performance of the night bonus. There's, there's not too much to say, except he's the champion. He's arguably... <sighs> John Jones is out right now. He gave up his late heavyweight belt. But I would think Stylebender's three, four pound for pound best fighter in the sport right now. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, I, my list would probably go something along the lines of Habib. <sighs> Usman has to be up there, I would think. Fuck, man, it's tough. Um, Stipe. Ingano, you can even put up there. But I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Stylebender has to be the in the top five anyways of just pound for pound best in a sport and god it was so fun it was it was fun watching it tonight yeah Volcano. yeah no I, I would say it's probably along the top five to my top five pound for pound right now would have to be Habib Stipe Adesanya, I think he's three. I guess he was three. Usman, four. Volkanovski, I don't know. It's really tight. It's really close. But anyways, uh, Adesanya with the convincing win tonight over Paulo Costa. Um, I, I, thought it, I thought it was a good fight for the UFC. I, I think Stylebender is the guy you want. People love Stylebender. Like, he's just an entertaining guy. He's fun to watch. He's a character. You saw it tonight after the fight when after the ref told him to get off of Costa, still humped him, which was funny. Um, did a Naruto run. Really funny. Basically did this to the fucking uh, trainers, which was awesome. And that dude's just a total badass. Like I was more interested in what, like I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan. I like the Lakers. I was interested in the Stanley cup finals. I was most interested at watch in watching Stylebender in the main event of a pay-per-view. That's how highly I think of the guy. He did not have a really entertaining fight against Joel Romero in his last time out. He was really good against Robert Whitaker. He was really good against Kelvin Gaslam. Like, I, I don't know who's next. He Stalbender said he would like to see Jared Kennar, uh fight him if he can beat Robert Whitaker, but we'll see how that goes. I don't know how that's going to go down, what the scoop is there. Um, Paula Costa, I don't know what the I, I don't know what the next option is for him. Maybe fuck, I, I have no idea who who the next guy would be. Uh, for Paulo Costa, because you you can name a whole whole bunch of uh, of people. Um, 
coming into it, he was the second ranked fight fighter. Excuse me. Uh, he was second second ranked fighter in the middleweight division. You got Jack Hermanson. He could fight. Maybe you Romero. Maybe you El Romero. Uh, Paulo Costa fight. Maybe Darren Till. Maybe Darren Till because Darren Till's last fight was a loss to Robert Whitaker. So maybe a Darren Till fight would be good. Uh, you got a, you got a few options. I don't know which way the UFC wants to go with there. And Stylebender seems to have his mindset. Um. So yeah, that that's kind of the. That's kind of the main event tonight. Uh, Jan Blackwich with the win, upset win over Dominic Reyes tonight uh, in light heavyweight. So in case you don't know, John Jones vacated his title at light heavyweight. Uh, I think it's because he wants to go fight Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight belt. We'll see about that. I don't think that's the best idea. I think the next, I think the move if you're the UFC is to do Stipe versus Francis Ngannou, who's, He's fucking amazing. I love Francis Ngannou. That dude is a monster. That dude is ferocious. Any adjective you want to use to describe him, use it because he is just phenomenal. Um, you know, it was really nice seeing Black Blackwich win. But um, I didn't think he was going to, but he did. So that was nice. I I was really disappointed with Dominic Reyes. I thought Reyes was going to come out stronger. He didn't. He was kind of timid. He was kind of holding back. And Blachowicz knew that. He just landed everything, it seemed like. like I, I don't know what the actual numbers were. I'll have to pull that up. But like Blachowicz was so accurate in his combos, in his strikes tonight against uh, Dominic Reyes. It was kind of surprising because Dominic Reyes, his last fight was, I believe, against John Jones. And it seemed like Reyes should have won that fight if it wasn't for the judges. The judges kind of screwed Reyes out of beating John Jones. Um, so, yeah, just to give you an idea, so Blachowicz had 41 total strikes, uh, Reyes with 21. Yeah, I mean... It, <sighs> I don't know. I just I was expecting more out of Reyes. I thought that guy was the next, was the real deal. I I thought he was going to take the belt. I thought he was going to have it for a little while. I like because I mean, looking at light heavyweight, there's not a whole lot of guys that really concern you, really threaten you. I mean, Tiago Santos, okay. Glover Teixeira, okay. Alexander Ratchet is still working his way up. Anthony Smith is, I don't want to say on the down, but he's getting old. He's had a few losses piled up. You know, there's nobody really on this list that really concerns you. And that's why I thought Reyes was going to be the guy who would win tonight. He would hold on to the belt for a while. He, he just seemed destined to hold on to the belt. He just seemed like the guy who was going to run the table in this division, and it just didn't happen. I was completely wrong. It's Jan Blachowicz, who was tremendous. He was landing everything. He was precise. He was poised. Tremendous night for Jan. He he deserves a lot of credit for how well he just prepared for this fight. And you saw it early on when he landed the kick to Reyes's ribs and there was the bruise. I can't remember. I think it was under his right armpit, essentially, like right above his ribs. 
you can't, you're kind of wondering about that, if that was going to impact Reyes and if that was going to slow him down. I don't know that it did entirely, but it definitely didn't help having that bruise there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you want to run this back either. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to run this back. What are we in September? Maybe you want to run this back in December, in November, late November, early December. Um, Cause really you don't have a lot of options at light heavyweight. Like I, I don't, I don't know that Tiago Santos, uh, it's been a while since he's fought, hasn't it? I don't know. If he's fought since COVID. Yeah, he hasn't fought. Tiago Santos hasn't fought since last July. So July, 2019. So over a year. So he, he's on almost 15 months rest because of COVID. And I mean, he, he, TK at Oblach, which in their fight in February 2019, but Santos has not been active. He hasn't fought since July 2019. I don't know that you give Santos a shot. I think you almost run it back with Reyes and Blachowicz and see where you go from there. Um, but I mean, kudos to Blachowicz. Really disappointing night for Dominic Reyes. Uh, you have to feel sorry for him because... I think a lot of people thought he was going to win. I think he thought he was going to win. And now it's kind of up in the air as to what you do and uh, what the what the next step is. Um, the other guy I wanted to shout out tonight, uh, Brandon Rovell. He came in as the underdog tonight against Kai Kara France in the flyweight division. He, he was tremendous. He, he really took it to France. He really gave it his all. You know, he had 51... Uh, total strikes compared to France's 22 strikes, total strikes, uh, 39 significant strikes tonight from, uh, from Roy Bell and submitted him with the guillotine. He, he was tremendous. I, I was really impressed with him. I don't know if he's the future of flyweight. He was ranked ninth coming into this fight. You know, he's got a lot of guys. He's got to jump. He's probably cause France was seventh coming into tonight's fight. Uh, he's at least getting up to seventh. You would think in the rankings, maybe moves up to in the in the top five of the division. It's kind of a tight division at the top between uh, Davis and Figueroa and Joseph uh, Joseph Benavides, Brandon Moore, Moreno as well. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, Figueroa, Benavides, Moreno. You got a lot of guys at flyweight. That's tough to jump. I'm, I'm going to say that Royvel's got some momentum here. He might move up. I would think to top potentially but we'll see uh after this weekend uh so that yeah that was the 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 three main takeaways from tonight's uh ufc fight again also want to give a shout out to hakeem dewadu who fighting out of calgary uh nigerian um tremendous guy he, I, I didn't think he was going to win his fight. I thought he, he, he came on really strong in the third round. He was, he had a really good third round. He was calling out a Takado, Takhagov, excuse me, and really good, really good third round. I, I didn't think he had enough to win at all. I thought Takhagov got the first two rounds, but cre- credits and kudos to him. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into some basketball and some hockey talk here. All right, welcome back to the SYP podcast. Just Big E here tonight. Uh, we're going to get into some NBA talk because the LA Lakers are making the NBA finals for the first time in 10 years. Uh, they defeated 
the Denver Nuggets by a score of 117 to 107. Um, you know, it, it's it was funny coming into tonight with the Lakers having a 3-1 lead. And, of course, the Nuggets have already made two 3-1 comebacks already in the playoffs. And some people are saying, oh, Nuggets are in their perfect spot. This is a great situation for them. They can come back. And it's like, they're not coming back. It's the LA Lakers. This team has been the best team in the West all year. And they showed it tonight. Um, You know, it was fascinating watching the highlights of this game and seeing just – a, how dominant LeBron James is, because we all know he's fucking great. LeBron James played the third most minutes of anybody in this game at age 37, I think he is. The only two people who played more minutes in this game besides him were Jeremy Grant and Jamal Murray. And while those guys put up 20 points, LeBron put up 38. Uh, while those guys put up a combined... 13 rebounds. LeBron had 16 rebounds. Triple double. It was LeBron's night. Seven of eight from three from from free throw range. Uh, you know, easy buckets there. 15 to 25 from field goal range. And obviously, obviously LeBron was good. The concern with the Lakers is the depth because Dwight Howard. He started tonight. He played 35 minutes. He only got nine points. Danny Green got 11 points, two for four from three-point range. I kind of feel like you want him either shooting more or what are we doing here? Because you don't have Danny Green to just shoot four three-pointers a night. Uh, KCP had two fucking points in 26 minutes. He shot the ball twice, which I feel like is two times too many. Um, you know, Kuz was, I don't know what to make of Kuz. I don't, I, there's some nights where I think he's really good and he's a really good complimentary piece. I, I don't always know how he fits with that Lakers team because with LeBron and AD, Kuz is kind of in the middle of that, which is weird. You don't, He's too big to be a wing player, but and he doesn't shoot the ball well enough to be a wing player. Caruso had 11 points tonight, 26 minutes. You know, five of seven field goal range. Caruso is actually sneaky good athletic. Caruso, I think, could just dominate any other sport. Like, I think he could dominate baseball. I think he could dominate lacrosse. Caruso... Caruso I don't know how he must be in his thirties, I think, but he's definitely a multi-sport athlete. And there's actually a chance Crusoe might not be in his thirties because of the. I just say that because he's balding. Um, yeah, 26, so he's not even in his thirties. Went to Texas A&M, undrafted, by the way. Uh, look, uh, Alex Caruso. Um, so, you know, what can I say? The Lakers are fine. Their depth concerns me. Uh, especially when they, if they, assuming they play Miami or Boston, Miami or Boston, those teams, I think, utilize their depth better than the Lakers do. Um, JaVale McGee got two points tonight. Rondo, I want, okay, I want to talk about Rondo, all right, because Rondo, 
the GOAT, obviously. He had eight points, and he sh- shot 50% from three. Like, I was discussing this with SYP creator Rav the other day, and he's not here, unfortunately, to discuss this. But we're going to get him on soon. But with Rondo, it's – like, when you when he's making threes, your night's done. Like, you're over. You, you can't be giving up threes to Rondo. That That's the last guy you have, like – you you if you're giving up threes to him, it's done. It's it's over. You you've given up. Um so Lakers are in the finals. Again, kudos to the Denver Nuggets. I didn't think they'd get this far. And while there is something to be said for making the Western Conference Finals, my issue with the Nuggets, and I love Djokovic. I'm ba- I'm full on team joke, team plumley. Team awkward white guys, count me in. I I am. I should start the fan club of team awkward white guys. And while that might sound really bad in theory, it's really just supporting and posting highlights of Jokic every time he does his like double spin and then puts up the oh fuck it, I guess I'll shoot it shot and it goes in. That's really what the awkward white guys club is all about. It's not supposed to be racist. It's not related to the Ku Klux Klan. We're just tall, awkward white guys supporting one another. If you'd like to join this club, DM me because I think we could make t-shirts with this and actually make it something. So the Nuggets are are interesting because they're perplexing. Because the, the issue we've been dealing with with the Nuggets for the last few years, this team's talented. It's got talented pieces. It's got Murray. It's got Jokic. Michael Porter Jr. something. Millsap something. The issue with this team is figuring out what it is. Like what what it, what's your image? What's your style? What do you what are you known for? Like what what do you how I don't know how, what do you like what's your brand? What's the what's Denver Nuggets brand of basketball? And I don't know that we've known that with Murray and Jokic. I think we've all been waiting for Murray to take his next step. And maybe he has during this postseason. He's played tremendously during this postseason. He's been wonderful. Excellent, excellent, excellent leader. Um, thrilling to watch. Fantastic to watch, really. And now he might have just taken that next step in front of our eyes. The issue I'm going to come back to probably next year as well is, what are you? Like, what is your team? What's your brand? Are are you a three-point shooting team? Are you just cuts and screens and fucking the Utah Jazz in the 90s? Like, what are you? What are you as a team? And I, that's a, that's kind of been our problem with Utah for a while now. It's trying to figure out what are you – or with Denver now, excuse me, is what are you? What what Like, what do you do? Um, I I think this helps – Getting to the Western Conference Finals, it kind of perpetuates, you know, the belief that what they're doing is right, which is somewhat good. I don't think what they're doing is wrong, um, but I don't know what they're. I don't know what the future of this team is. I don't know what direction they're going to go in. I'm assuming they're going to try and keep contending. They might just run it back again next year. But the biggest key with the Denver Nuggets, I, I would think, is trying to figure out who you are and what do you do. What do you do to win games? Is it just Jamal Murray 
running the offense 40 or 45 minutes a night. Is that your team? Uh, is a pick and roll offense with Jokic? Is a pick and roll offense with Paul, Paul Millsap? Uh, is it driving kick out to like, I, whatever your offense is, I'm assuming, and I'm assuming you're a decent enough defensive team. Like you're going to play a physical defensive style. Great. But that was my issue with the Nuggets these last few years. That was my issue with the Nuggets in this series. Like, what are you? Who's your leader? Who are you trusting in big games? And what are you doing to win? Now, I think Murray might be that leader that they're going to trust now. I think Murray seems like the guy that they're going to build around and they're going to trust with this franchise. That'll be fun to watch. That should be interesting. The real, the real again, perplexing uh, thing that we're going to see in the basketball and hockey offseason and even baseball offseason is making franchise-altering decisions based on a month and a half, two months of being in this bubble. I don't know that it's the wisest idea to make decisions based on the bubble, like playing in the bubble. Like, I don't know how to say, like, I don't know how to put it, but basically, I don't know that you can, like, if you're the Houston Rockets, you can split up everything because of the fact that they didn't work in the bubble. Now, I think the Rockets have had issues going, going on before the bubble. Same thing with Philadelphia. I'm not going to go – I don't want to go into the whole who's going to go where, who do I think is going to go this, where, what, whenever. I don't want to get into that. It's more just are you really going to change your franchise? Are you really going to blow everything up or go all in because of what you saw in the bubble? It's, it's tough. It's not easy, but it'll be really fascinating to watch. Uh, tomorrow night – I believe Sunday or tomorrow afternoon, whenever they fucking play basketball on Sundays, uh, the Boston Celtics are playing the Miami Heat. That should be game six, I believe, with the Heat leading a series 3-2. Boston won the last game. That's going to be a really good game to watch as well. The Miami Heat are coming live. The Heat is on. Uh, we'll see if the Celtics can force a game seven and possibly get to the finals so we get a Lakers-Celtics finals. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Um, but again, kudos to Jimmy Butler. Kudos to Tyler Hero. Those guys have really showed off and balled out in the bubble. And not a whole lot else we could say. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about more about the finals after the uh, Miami-Boston series is over. So uh, we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to be discussing the Stanley Cup finals in Edmonton. All right, we're back, Biggie here. Uh, let's talk about the Stanley Cup Finals first. Actually, let's talk about the NHL website, which pissed me off because when I went to it, uh, just when this little break, uh, their headliner where they show the scores uh, started at Game One and didn't give me enough space to get to Game Five. So that was cool because I'm definitely interested in Game One uh, tonight after Game Five was just played. Uh, Tampa Bay leads the series three two over the Dallas Stars. Uh, I kind of gave up my interest in hockey or at least this playoffs when the Islanders got eliminated because I called the Islanders beating the stars in the finals and it didn't happen. Uh, tonight, Dallas won in a double overtime thriller. Thanks to Corey Perry 
Uh, where is he from, actually? He's an Ontario guy, isn't he? Definitely Canadian. Uh, Corey Perry scored two goals, one in the first, and then double overtime winner. Um, oh, he's a Peterborough guy. Didn't play for the Peets, did he? He played for London, I think. Um, yeah, he was drafted by the London Knights. Okay. Um, Corey Perry had two goals tonight. Uh, you know, I, I really want to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think the Dallas Stars are on fumes. I, I said they were going to win it in five just because I picked Dallas to get to the finals. Don't know if they were actually going to win. Just wanted to make at least half of my prediction right, which kind of was actually considering, you know, the fact that I called Islanders stars and the stars are actually in the finals because of guys like Corey Perry, Joe Pavelski, and Anton Kodobin. And who would have thought in 2020 that would happen? Um, you know, Tampa Bay is a team that really intrigues me, considering the fact that the Lightning beat the Bruins and oh hold on okay just had to take another break there was a cop car that was going near my building uh I want to talk about the lightning so the lightning trying to go back to what I was saying the lightning uh basically have been on a tear this entire postseason I'm trying to think of a time where they weren't but they played the Black, Black Blue Jackets in the first round. They won in five games in that fucking overtime game that took half of 2020 to be played. Uh, they basically they dismantled the Bruins, and I was surprised by that because they played a Boston Bruins-style hockey where it was physical, but there was also finesse to it. They were also skilled. And that's how they usually play, but they were also physical. They were also not afraid to throw the body around, like getting guys like Patty Maroon, Barkley Goodrow, uh, those type of guys. They were just not afraid to be physical, make plays, get involved, and they did it to a T against the Bruins, against a team that usually thrives on doing that. Uh, and then they played the Islanders in the Eastern Conference Final. Didn't really have any problems with that. Um, they looked good for the most part. The Islanders just were not as a, a, they're more on on scheme than skill. I think that's fair to say when it comes to the New York Islanders and Lightning. You know, are, are one of the most talented teams in hockey. One of the most complete teams in hockey. Uh, credit to Julian Brisbois, who kind of made the decision after last year uh, to just get like the Barkley Goodrows, the Patty Maroons, the physical, tough guys that are really hard to play against. They got those guys, and it's been going well for Tampa. They're one game away from winning the Stanley Cup, uh, albeit with some really weird circumstances. Kudos to the Lightning. Um, you know, the, the, the Dallas Stars, I, I really didn't think they would get this far. I don't I, – I, we mentioned this, I think, on the last SYP podcast. I don't think they're that good. I, I, I really don't. Um, they managed to stay alive tonight. I, I, you know, I, I, I have to give credit, though, to Rick Bonus and the Stars team for getting this far. 
I'm hoping they're going to pull out another couple of victories, but we'll see. It's, I don't know. Um, it, it's really tough to say. What's really, what's really going to be fascinating too is that, so we're going to have the draft here in about, I think, two weeks from now, a week and a half, something like that. And so basically the free age, the, the, the off season, the free agency, the draft, all that jazz is just going to take off. It's already happened to some extent, but it's going to really take off um, coming up these next few days after the finals. So that should be interesting and stay on the lookout for that. I don't think that I, I've been kind of thinking this, saying this for a bit. I don't think the next hockey season is going to start until January 1st when they do the winter classic. I think that's kind of the move. If you're hockey, you start on the winter classic. That's how you get the season into um, high gear almost, or get it, get people's interests really high as you start with the winter classic, which is supposed to be Minnesota. And I would think there's a way you can you can fit fans. Maybe you just do the whole season outdoors. Maybe that's what you do. Um, some places that's more viable than others. But basically, you just have the whole you know stadium filled with not well hockey hockey players and some hockey gear, and then you have some fans come in, and pretty much you just play hockey at baseball or football stadiums after the football season's done. That's I that's actually not a bad idea. Um you got more fans than I would think. You have this you have to like obviously section the fans off. And it I don't know if this is just me. Uh cuz I've been watching a lot of old film, old hockey, old baseball, old football, whatever. Does not does it not feel weird seeing everybody so clustered and close together now in in this covid time where we're supposed to be socially distant and keeping our distance from people we don't know or just keeping our distance in general i i i kind of get a a a bit of a like heebie-jeebie creepy type feel when i see like fucking a hundred thousand people at brian denny stadium in tuscaloosa for some alabama game it's like man i can't believe we used to do that and I don't. Maybe there's a time where we can get back to that because I miss having the fans in the stands for all these sporting events and for all these big moments. But it just feels weird seeing all these people together, and, and that's probably just me. But it just feels weird seeing all these people together, clustered, close, high fiving. You might not even know them, uh, just with the time we're in now. So, uh, yeah, January first. Uh, I think it's how we're gonna is when we're going to see the NHL season start. I don't know how they're going to do it. I think this year would be the perfect year for them to do some sort of creative tournament. Uh, Maybe not World Cup of Hockey, maybe World Cup of Hockey, but some sort of, like, I don't know if this year you want to do, like, the regular, regular season that they've been doing. They probably will because they, you know, think that's the best business model for them to earn revenue. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went back to that. But if they wanted to make a change and they really wanted to create interest, and I think hockey could use that because hockey – the the novelty the 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 fun I think of hockey has worn off to a certain extent. Uh, I don't think people have the same interest level compared to the beginning of August when it came back. But now we're you know we're but most people are busier now than they were in early August because schools are back in session. Uh, some people are going back to work. There's also just other sports going on. You know, there's football, college football, the baseball playoffs are starting soon. Basketball playoffs are in the middle of it. I mean. There's just a lot going on. So every and, and there's an election in the states. 
there's a lot going on. So if hockey's not on people's mind at the moment, it's kind of not hard to see why, but it's also just hockey just not being able to market their stars and not being able to create an interesting product. Like I haven't watched any live action. I think of the finals this year, just because I just am not interested. I don't like, I'll, you know, I'll watch the highlights so I could talk about it and discuss it and, you know, see what's going on. But like, there's a game on Monday, I think, and I watch Monday Night Football instead. I, I just don't care. I just don't have an interest in watching Tampa Bay play Dallas in the finals. I'm sorry. Um, I think TV ratings are really bad in the United States. Like, I think they've had two of the lowest games in a long time, if if at all, like, since probably the 90s. So, um We'll see how the NHL goes. So the draft will be, I believe, October 9th. And then free agency, I believe, starts after that. It's going to be really interesting to see how the draft plays out. Uh, Detroit, my Red Wings have six picks, I think, in the top 63, something like that. They got a lot of picks they got to make early on. Uh, The Rangers are probably going to be taking laugh. We'll probably have some sort of mock something picks coming on later uh, before the draft. So keep an eye out for all of that. Um, yeah, that that's really what's big and happening in the NHL right now. Uh, we'll see about game five or game six, excuse me, Monday night. I'm probably not going to watch that because I'm more interested in the Chiefs playing the Ravens because the last two MVPs are going head to head, and I would not be suspect, I would not be surprised if the NHL gets absolutely murdered in the ratings on Monday night. But we'll see. Uh, that's the SYP podcast. I'm Big E. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy this. Like and subscribe. Please tell, please tell your friends. Uh, we got some more shirts coming in as well. So DM me if you're interested in shirts or DM SYP. Uh, and thank you again. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll have more on the way. Peace out.